I love Brother Barnes, don't you? The only thing I regret about Brother Barnes is he didn't get down here and join sooner. Amen? And uh, I'd take about 25 of them just like him. And uh, I appreciate you, brother. Let's stand this morning. I Normally, in a service like this, I'd just fan the flame and go right on. But uh, I just have felt such a burden this morning to preach what I'm going to preach on. And that's not to say I have enjoyed every testimony given and keep on testifying. Amen. I tell you, we're in churches today where nobody never says nothing. And if you raise your hand, honestly, I'm not just being funny. People think you want to ask a question. You know that? They don't know what that means anymore. I'm glad I'm in an old-fashioned church. Amen. And so don't die on me this morning. Help me while I preach. And uh, I preach shorter when you say amen anyway. So uh, help us this morning. John chapter 13 and verse number 21. The Bible says, When Jesus had thus said, He was troubled in spirit and testified, and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Verse number 22. Then the disciples looked on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. And Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Verse 25. He then lying on Jesus' breath said unto him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, He it is to whom shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Let's bow for prayer, then you can be seated. Lord, I want to thank you this morning for the good singing. Lord, thank you for the testimonies, God, how our hearts have been encouraged. Lord, I'm glad people can still go to church and be overwhelmed by the presence and the blessings of God in their life. Lord, thank you, Lord, for old-time worship. God, I pray that we'd be no stranger to it. God, I pray we'd never take it for granted. Lord, may we never be ashamed of it. God, I pray, Lord, that we'd continually be a people that'll just do what's been done this morning, lift up and exalt your lovely name. I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. God, you know I want to be sensitive to you this morning. I don't want to say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit in any way. God, may you be glorified and magnified. Speak to every heart, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach a few minutes on this subject, on the bosom of Jesus. The bosom of Jesus. In our text this morning in verse number 21, I see here a great pain. As the Bible says that when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit. Now the reason, one of the reasons Jesus is troubled in spirit is because he knows what the other disciples do not know. And can I tell you this morning, God always knows what we do not know. In fact, in John chapter 13, Jesus is about to make three, he's about to make three troubling announcements uh, that will not only trouble him, but will trouble those men that are with him. He is going to announce here uh, the deception of Judas as he is going to betray him. He will denounce the departure of Jesus himself as he tells them that he is going to go away and that he will send a comfort and then he will announce the denial of Peter all in chapter number 13. Now these are three troublesome things here uh, that my friend not only troubled him but it troubled 
the disciples. And so there is a great pain and there is this great perception as Jesus said in verse number 21, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Now he doesn't come out and just announce who it is that's going to betray him, but he does make the announcement that one of you that are sitting at this table will betray me. Now Judas must have been a pretty good pretender uh, because none of the other disciples ever depicted uh, that it was Judas. Uh, as they sit around that table, uh, Judas blended in so good with the rest of them. He acted just like the rest of them. He taught like the rest of them. He served like the rest of them. Uh, he dressed like the rest of them. Uh, and it was so convincing that they could not figure out who it was. Can I tell you something this morning? Uh, that even in a congregation this size, uh, I wish I could say that everybody here was saved uh, and everybody here uh, was right with God, but the truth of the matter and this text is, uh, is that it would surprise every one of us this morning if God was to pull back the curtain and reveal the hearts of each and every one of us. And so there is a great pain. There is a great perception, even though uh, uh, Peter did not know and John the beloved did not know and Matthew and Mark and Luke did not know. Jesus knew the heart of every man that was sitting at that table. And I tell you, he knows my heart this morning. He knows your heart this morning. He, my friend, has perception that is beyond ourselves. And so I see this great perception and I see this great pain here. But I want you to notice something else. There's a great problem in verse 22. As the Bible says here that the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. What Jesus said created a problem in the heart of all the disciples uh, with the exception of one uh, because uh, it caused them to doubt. You know, sometimes in this life uh, we will doubt things, amen? And sometimes we'll doubt what Jesus says uh, or what Jesus says may even create some doubt uh, in our life. Now, I wanna say there's no problem with the word of God and there's no problem with the God of this word, amen? The problem was not with Jesus nor what he said. Uh, the problem was in the heart of each and every disciple that sat there that day. You know, I want to have a closeness with the Lord that when he speaks, it does not create doubt in my soul. And there's a great pain and there's a great perception and there's a great problem. But here is what I want to preach on a few minutes this morning. I see here that there's a great passion in verse 23. As the Bible said that there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Amen. I'm preaching on the bosom of Jesus this morning. And amongst all the disciples that were sitting there at the table that day, and with the exception of Judas, there is something good that we could say about every single one of them. When we think about John, when we think about Matthew, when we think about Mark, when we think about Luke, when we think about all the disciples, we could certainly say something good about them. But there is one, the Bible says here, that stands out amongst the rest. And the reason is, is because he's leaning on the bosom of Jesus and he says he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. 
Now when John said that about himself, he says that five times in this book. And we can mention those five times, but we'll not do that this morning. But John, five different times, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. John is not elevating himself amongst the rest of the disciples, for he said that the same thing about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in John chapter 11, that Jesus loved them also. But what John is doing when he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, he is simply confident in the fact of what we sung about this morning, that Jesus loves him. You know, this morning, I want to be confident that he loves me. Amen. We sing the song, he loves me, he loves me. But while we were singing it this morning, I got to thinking about it as we sung those same words. Uh, he really does love me this morning, amen. He loves me when I'm sad. Uh, he loves me when I'm bad. Uh, he loves me when I'm right. He loves me when I'm wrong. Uh, he loves me when I'm up. Uh, he loves me when I'm down. Uh, he loves me when I'm on the front line. Uh, and he loves me when I'm on the sideline. Uh, he loves me. Uh, there's not a day that goes by that what Jesus don't love me and that what Jesus don't love you. Uh, sometimes I don't love him like I should, uh, but he always loves me uh, like he should. Uh, and I've got comfort in the fact uh, that Jesus loves me this morning. Now what a blessing that is today to know that Jesus loves us. And while the disciples in one text we find were arguing about who would be the greatest and who would sit on the throne, John found a place that no one was standing in line for. John found a place uh, that no one was arguing over. John found a place uh, that was a special place. Uh, John found a place uh, uh, that was a very significant place. Uh, John found a place uh, that was a very sweet place uh, in the life of John and Jesus. Uh, and it was on Jesus' bosom. Amen. Now when the Bible talks about a bosom uh, in a man's breast, uh, he's talking about uh, uh, that bosom being a place of strength and a place of sincerity and a place of spirituality and that's why it's emphasized so much in this text is because of what it represents and my friend John is leaning on the bosom of Jesus this morning and I want to emphasize that today because that is the place that every believer should want to be at it's on the bosom of Jesus you say, preacher, why is that so important in my life? I'm going to give you these thoughts and be done this morning. I want to say, number one, because of the closeness on Jesus' bosom. When John laid his head on the bosom of Jesus, uh, it was because he wanted to be as close to Jesus as what he was. Uh, I want to ask you that question this morning. How close uh, are you to the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Uh, you see, you're as close uh, and I'm as close as what we want to be. Uh, uh, those testimonies this morning, uh, uh, people weeping and crying and testifying uh, about the goodness of God. Uh, uh, the average person today sitting in church looks at that uh, and says, what's all the commotion? Why get so excited? Why do you got to be so undignified? Why do you got to stand up and holler? Or why do you got to shout? Or why do you got to weep and cry and do all those things? I'm going to tell you why. Because if you've ever been on his bosom, if you've ever been close, if you've ever been close enough to hear his heart beat, if you've ever been close enough to hear that still, small voice, you can't hear it following a far off. 
off. And that's why some people go to church and they don't understand that. But when you get in that secret place and you get in that private place with God and he whispers in your ear and you hear his voice and you feel his touch and you hear his heartbeat, that's why John was there. He wanted to feel the warmth of Jesus. Oh, I want to tell you this morning, I want the fires of revival to be kindled in my heart. I want the fires of revival to burn in my soul. And Vance Hadner said revival is simply falling in love with Jesus all over again. And Brother George, if that's true, then the only place you're going to find that is leaning on the bosom of Jesus. There's a closeness on his bosom. Amen. Are you close to him this morning? Have you ever felt that coldness come on you? You know what? Uh, uh, if you're married uh, at night, you know what? When you're cold, you know what you do? You scrooge up next to your wife. Isn't that right? Uh, and you get a little bit of warmth, don't you? Hey, that son or that daughter, that little boy or that little girl, uh, when they crawl up in their parents' arms uh, and they pull them up close, uh, you know why they like that? Uh, because they feel that warmth of that another, other individual. And can I tell you something this morning? Uh, I'm glad, Brother Cape, uh, I have felt uh, uh, the comfort I felt the closeness. I felt the warmth of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saying you're to lean on his bosom because there's a closeness. Amen. I want to help you this morning. Going to church is awful boring when you ain't close to Jesus. It takes a whole lot of talent and a whole lot of entertainment just to keep your attention. If the preacher can't pull a rabbit out of the hat every Sunday, if he don't have an object lesson, if he don't have a, a fog machine or some lights, uh, if he don't have a praise team, uh, so I told somebody not, not too long ago, I said, we got a praise team at our church uh, and you don't never know when one of them's gonna pop up, amen, and just start praising him. We're all on the same team, amen, and we're all praising the same God, amen, but I don't need white gloves and tight blue jeans and tight T-shirts and the lights turned down low to praise the God that I serve. In fact, the God I serve, he don't like the darkness. He likes the light. Amen. And he likes for us to be holy. And if you'll get close to God, he'll clean you up on the inside. He'll clean you up on the outside. You can feel good on Monday as good as you do on Sunday. Amen. There's a closeness when you lean on his bosom. Amen. And he leaned on his bosom because of that closeness. He leaned on his bosom. I want to say, not only did he find a closeness, but I find here that he found compassion. Amen. Now, John is the only one that did not say, is it I? He said, Lord, who is it? You know why? Because John had felt the compassion of Jesus. When you're that close to him and you're loving on him and he's loving on you, you don't have to worry about betrayal too much. Isn't that right? You taking a husband and a wife relationship as long as they're loving on each other, as long as they're, uh, listen, uh, uh, close to each other, as long as they're true to each other, uh, they don't worry about that. Uh, uh, they don't worry about that co uh, compassion as if that love is there. Uh, they know uh, that they have got, uh, uh, they know that they're strong in their relationship. It's when it begins to wane. It's, when, it's, when, it's, be, it's whenever uh, they begin to love other things uh, and 
what I'm saying this morning is that's what the church has done to our Savior many times. The church is guilty of falling in love with other things and forsaking the God that has so loved them. But when you lean on his bosom, there's a special compassion. There's a special love. My friend, leaning on the bosom of Jesus. You know, I found out something when I was a little kid uh, that whenever uh, my mother would whip me, she always used a hickory. Somebody say amen right there. My daddy used a belt. My mama used a hickory. And that's the way it ought to be done. Somebody say amen. And neither one of them worried about defects neither. Somebody say amen right there. And they wasn't politically correct. Somebody say amen right there. Some of y'all looking real pale. Amen. Uh, but you know what? I remember when I was a little child uh, and my mom would pull that hickory out and give me some hickory tea, you know, uh, and she'd start switching me with that hickory. You know what I found out? I found out that the closer I got to her, the harder it was for her to hit me, amen? And I'd get right there close. Uh, oh, she is pretty good at it like this. Uh, uh, but listen, it didn't hurt near as much right here as it did when she was out here like this, amen? You say, what are you saying? Uh, I'm saying there's a compassion. It, listen, she she didn't whip me near as long. When I grabbed hold of her legs and said, Mama, I love you, I'm sorry. Don't whip me no more. I won't never do it again. Now, that didn't work with Daddy, but it sure did work with Mama. Amen? And what I'm saying is, my friend, if you'll love on him, if you'll love on him and let him love on you, on his bosom, there's a compassion that you cannot know anywhere else. Have you ever had the Lord love on you? Amen. Now, some of y'all staring at me like we're, I'm from Mars. I'm telling you, I, listen, you can look at me like I'm crazy, but it, you're, you're a day late and a dollar short. Amen. Uh, brother, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't know everything, uh, and I'm certainly not an authority on what I'm preaching, uh, but I felt him in the recesses of my soul. Uh, I've had rivers of love flow through my heart. Uh, I know what it is to get alone uh, in the wee hours of the night and say, Lord, uh, would you just come near? Uh, and I felt his presence. Hallelujah. I felt his touch in the storm, in the valley, in the trial, when it seemed like he wasn't nowhere to be found. There's a compassion. I felt him reach down and put his hand on me, brother daddy, and say, son, don't you worry about it anymore. It's just gonna be okay. I'm telling you, friend, oh, for the compassion of the Lord. Hallelujah. Woo! He's good to us, ain't he? Hallelujah. Aren't y'all glad it's just 11 o'clock in Alabama right now? Praise God. I'm telling you, friend, on his bosom, there's a compassion. On his bosom, there's a closeness. And I want to say on his bosom, there's a comfort. Leaning on the bosom of Jesus, he's the only one that wasn't in despair. Wonder why all them others were troubled. You know why? They wasn't as close to him as John was. When Jesus made a troublesome announcement and even when Jesus was troubled in his spirit, John heard that heartbeat. You know, when you get troubled, your heart beats a little bit faster, doesn't it? Amen. And your adrenaline starts pumping. Amen. I want to tell you something. John probably felt it long before they ever heard it. Amen. Because he was leaning on his bosom. But my friend, even when the the master was giving some troublesome words, there was such a peace. There was 
was such a comfort that John had because he knew that my friend everything was going to be okay that Jesus would take care of it I want to tell you this morning friend if you'll get close enough to him you can find that same comfort you can find that same peace you can have that same rest you can pillow your head at night when the storms of life are raging you can pillow your head at night when your children have broken your heart you can pillow your head at night when the doctor has given you a bad report and you can find rest and comfort in the Lord amen leaning on his bosom if he's real to you this morning then you know what I'm talking about I long for it to be like it used to be when the church was in love with Jesus does the silence bother anybody other than me when the amens and the hallelujahs used to just roll in the congregation. When people shouted and testified and 10 others got up with them. Amen. When people wasn't ashamed of old time worship. I don't think some of them's ashamed of it. You don't have to act like me and I don't have to act like you. But like one preacher said, you ought to at least sit around and laugh and cry a little bit when you go to church, amen. There ought to be some kind of emotion come out your eyes. It may get in your hand. It may get in your voice. But there ought to be some expression of love on the Savior because he has loved on you, amen. Some people cry and weep. Some people smile and laugh. Some people run an aisle, amen. Some people raise a hand but if God has been good to you and if you have walked with him and he's walking with you my friend they ought to be a comfort in your soul and you ought to express it every now and then amen I said this the other night I was preaching at a church this week and I made this statement one night I can't remember when but I was talking about uh, I was talking about serving God and how that uh uh, how that in, in living for God, the difference between a mature saint and an immature saint. I've watched it down through the years and I've lived on both sides of it. I, I'm not saying that I had. I've lived both sides of the immaturity and the maturity part. But as a pastor watching down through the years, it's easy to depict those two because a mature saint will have sorrows and troubles they may ask for prayer. They may, they may come to the altar. They may ask people to anoint them. They, 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 they may pray and, and they may be burdened about it, but you have to be, you have to be spiritual and you have to discern their sorrow because they'll never magnify it. They'll just magnify their God. Miss Sheila, I'll never forget the Wednesday night your mother walked in here and one doctor told her on Monday, the heart doctor told her that her heart was wore out and on Tuesday, the kidney doctor told her that her kidney was wore out. And both of them told her there was nothing they could do for her, that basically you're just going home to die. And she came in on Wednesday night and she said, basically she said this. I don't remember everything she said, but I remember a few things. She said, I got a bad report on Monday. I got a bad report on Tuesday. But she said, I just want to let everybody know God has been good to me. And that if I don't see you Sunday, I'll see you in heaven. And she turned around and waved at everybody as to say, if I don't see you now, I'll just see you up there. She didn't magnify her sorrow. She didn't magnify her problem. You know what she did? She looked death square in the face and she magnified her God. Hey man, I'm going to tell you something. I remember that Wednesday night. I seemed like I was as low as a carpet that night. But when she gave that testimony, I felt the wings of 
a snow white dove lift me up and encourage my soul. And I said, dear God, if you can give her grace to go on at 90 something years old and still be shouting the victory, then hallelujah, there's gonna be grace. There's gonna be grace. There's gonna be grace. You know what she is doing? She is leaning on the bosom of Jesus, amen. That's how she could do it. There's comfort leaning on his bosom. I'm telling you, friend, that's the comfort I want. When the doctor said you went as far as you can go, there's nothing else we can do. That's the comfort I need. That's the comfort I hope for. That's the comfort I'm looking for. It's for the doctor Jesus to show up and to speak peace to my soul. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm talking about this morning. Leaning on his bosom, there's comfort. Leaning on his bosom this morning, there's a closeness and there's a compassion. And then I close with this thought. Leaning on his bosom, there's a confidence. Can I tell you something this morning? In this world, it's already been said. I think Miss Melody may have said this. In this world, we spend much of our times worrying about problems. You know what I thought about when she was telling that? About that word problem. How that it's not in that book. You know why? Because God don't have a problem, does he? You know what God has? He don't have a problem. He's got a plan. Amen. And he's got a promise. And why would you, if you've got a plan and you've got a promise, why would you ever have a problem? Amen. Amen. You know what I thought about? Uh, sitting there, I thought, Lord, why do I worry about anything? Why do I get discouraged about everything? Because the same plan and the same promise that you've got, you've given that to me. Amen. Do you realize this morning, bigger than your problems, uh, you've got a plan. You're not just going through life haphazardly trying to figure it out. You're not living life by chance nor circumstance. No, uh, you can't see it all, nor can I. But there is a sovereign plan. Uh, God's got a blueprint with my name written on it from the beginning all the way to the end. Uh, and along that blueprint, and along that plan, God has hung one promise after another that says no matter what comes your way, the problem can never override the promise. Amen. It can never override the plan. I feel good in my soul, Brother David. He's just good. He's just good. Oh, he is good. The promise and the plan will overcome the problem in your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. You say, what am I supposed to do? Lay your head on his bosom. Get you a promise. Get you a plan. And stay with God in the midst of it. And he'll help us as we stand this morning. He can. Why don't you come? Why don't you let him help you this morning? Why don't you just get close to him? You say, I'm not worthy. And none of us are. But he's never pushed nobody away. In fact, the Lord shows mercy and grace to the lowly. Oh, preacher, you don't know what I've done, how I've lived. No. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that his compassions, they fail not. I'm telling you, I never had went to my parents in sincerity and brokenness and said, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me?
I've never went to them that what they didn't forgive me. You know why? Because they love me. And that's only a shadow of how God feels about every one of us. I'll tell you what you ought to do. You ought to just nestle up under his wings this morning. You ought to get under his pavilion and say, dear God, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm sorry, but I love you. I'll tell you what you'll feel. You'll feel the drips of God's mercy, rivers of mercy running down on your soul this morning while we sing, you obey God.